Welcome to the Don't Die podcast, sponsored by Aloe Treatment Centers. They're out in Malibu. They're in Silver Lake. It's a treatment center I started with some friends. We want you to get the right treatment, the right program for you, and stop dying. Stop dying, Chuck. These people hey. need to stop dying. Chuck. All right, all right. That this is this is odd and fun. They're not stopping dying. I heard about another one this afternoon. Well, I'm I'm just upset about all this fentanyl and all this death. It's it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. You can tell kids fentanyl, 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 death, death, death. You're gonna die. Death, you're gonna die. Don't take fentanyl, you're gonna die. What do they do, Chuck? Fentanyl. Yeah. <laughs> I know, and it, 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 if I wasn't laughing, you know, I'd be crying because that's it, it, it's not gone out of style here either. No, it's crazier now. I, 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 you know, I just can't tell you. It's, it's like, it's like we know something that the rest of the world doesn't know and doesn't care. It's almost like the first time I heard about OxyContin was in like two thousand three, two thousand four. Mm -hmm. It was this woman checked in and she was on OxyContin and I was like, what is that? You know, cause I'd heard Vicodin and whatever the other fucking thing was. You know, it was the first like OxyContin act. Then my friend Pat came in and he was talking about, it. I was like, what the fuck is this? I, you know, I'd never known drug addicts that cared about pills. It was so <laughs> stupid. No kidding. And, <laughs> and then you have this, this, you know, the tsunami of death that Oxycontin was over the next 10, 12, 14 years till everybody's paying attention to it. And now all of a sudden, oh, Oxycontin isn't killing people anymore, so we don't need to worry. <laughs> Yet the death rate is going to hit 90,000 in 2020. Is it, is it really projected to be that bad? Yeah. I mean, it's incredible how much death there is from fentanyl. Is that, I mean, that's a, wow. And L.A. County in LA County where Oxycontin really did not hit down there in Orange County where you guys are from. No, Mike is from Long Beach. Chuck is from Long Beach. I tell you, the, the difference between the death rate in like 13, 14, 15 in Orange County from Oxycontin versus LA County was incredibly different. So I just always thought, well, LA people are smarter. Like I always think they are about everything. <laughs> Except for this fucking fentanyl, we're like leading the state. It's crazy. Yeah, it says there's a bunch of articles that are the overdose crisis is, uh, you know, the opioid crisis is going to um, get worse if we don't prepare now. Well, nobody's preparing now. They're trying to find a coronavirus vaccine. Right. And that's, I mean, I don't know about you, but that's the, the big deal right now is every day I'm talking to clients and going, you know, I, I know that coronavirus is bad, but our stuff will kill you dead almost. I mean, you got a 50-50 shot when you're playing with that. So let's stay put. Let's do this thing. Stay yeah, in your house. Under, listen, I, I just straight up tell anybody, if you're under 65, you have a more likelihood of dying from, ox, from fentanyl than you do from coronavirus, even if you get it. Yeah, I would, I, I would I imagine there's going to be some 20-year-old something sober living, hopping, motherfuckers that are going to get coronavirus and 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 be all freaked out and do fentanyl and die from the fentanyl yeah so yeah. you know and, and the idea was about this podcast about this whole movement was to i really didn't think people were stupid enough to take fentanyl like of their own free will but once again american stupidity just never <laughs> never <laughs> underestimated <laughs> 
I got to guarantee you, Mike may say, oh, if I, there was fentanyl when we were around, I would try it. Not if I heard that six of my friends died in three weeks. I wouldn't try it. No, I'm not a fucking idiot. <laughs> I'm not. Are you calling me an idiot? Awesome. No, but I'm you, because you, I think you, you always defend it, but I don't think you would, Mike. I, I knew you using. You were very methodical about your using. <laughs> I was, and I didn't share very much. No, you didn't share. Right, Chuck. You want to know the only time Mike was willing to share anything with me? He he and Stevo had gotten this ethyl. I don't know what the hell kind of alcohol it was. Like if you tasted it, it it gave you throat cancer. Um, (laughs) And he said, "Here, try some of this." And I took like one swig, and I was sick literally for three hours. And they were guzzling it, shooting guns, and <laughs> would you have some white lightning or something? Yes, white lightning. Oh my god! God, the only time it. Mike ever shared anything with me, I think he once in a while he would give me his crack pipe when there's, and he said there's a lot of resin residue in there, <laughs> and I'd be pushing it. There's right. no residue in there. God, man, I did not care about my fellow junkie. <laughs> I only cared about myself. I wonder if that's unique. But really, <laughs> do you think you would have done fentanyl if, if it was in, in this context where you know that uh, I wasn't very smart. I mean, I, you know, I'm not I'm not saying I was a very wise like drug mixer or anything like that. I just took whatever I possibly could and and um I'm I probably would have, yeah. I you know, I mean if I heard it was really powerful and it gave you got you really high. That's kind of the mo of drug users, I would think. And I was always very concerned about not overdosing. How about you, Chuck? Would you be uh, trying to die with fentanyl if you were uh, an addict today? You know, I, I'd like to think that I would do it, but I probably wouldn't. You know, because that I, I like the idea of being loaded. I wasn't really a big fan of being dead. Near the end of my using, I probably would have done it with hopes of dying. But I mean, but the idea of no for the well, longest oh, wait, time. Wait, 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 let's talk about that. That's interesting because I was trying to kill myself with heroin, but I never could get enough. Yes, yes. It, at the end of my using in 95, if there was fentanyl around, I would have bought $20 worth and killed myself. You're you're right in that. But I would have always known it's a drug of death. Fentanyl right. is a drug of death. Right. Just People like need I would get that straight. I wouldn't do crocodile or that crocodile. I wouldn't do that. You know, there's stuff that I wouldn't have done. Like people were making the Jimson weed out of that the weird plant and freaking out and blacking out for days and days and days at a time. And I, I never did that when it was going around just because I didn't have any interest. I like to be loaded and just on the verge of out of control. I know I'm, I like knowing I'm about to spin out. I don't I like got, spinning out. I, I'm reliving my drug using, which I haven't done in a long time. In in early 96, like the last three months of my using is when ice kind of hit L.A. And I was over at this guy Bob's house and he goes, I got some ice and he did it. And, and, you know, ice was this high potency meth or something. Yeah, he did it. And he was so weird and he was doing such weird things with his penis that I just (laughs) thought, I I swear to God, why? I just thought, like, regular meth is good for me. I, I don't really need that <laughs> ice stuff. 
No, I think that's how guys ended up with wiener tattoos and all sorts of weird piercings. Because this is not a guy that would be pulling his wiener out. He was just (laughs) like, hey, you know, and he was like, kind of, I I don't want to say what he was doing, but it wasn't pretty. That he thought he had pimples on his penis. Oh, right, right, yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, Oh, yeah. Oh, the horror of drug addiction. But the kids still love it. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds romantic. Right. I want to do that when I grow up. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, want get on, I want to get on some ice and pick up my penis, and then I want to take some fentanyl and die. Yeah, woo! That would be great. How you come know, ice? But, how come ice is so prevalent in Hawaii? That's what I want to know. It's not really it's still like a big thing over there. Yeah, because you can walk naked over there, can't you? There, anyone I've ever known that liked ice that was always naked. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mostly guys, so it wasn't that pleasant an experience for me. <laughs> but, <laughs> You're right. You're on to something there, I'm sure. But so, so uh, you know, I just, I can't believe it. This, you know, I just got the, it's on Facebook, this girl that was in, not even in, in Aloe, was in PRC when I worked there 20 years ago. She's been struggling for 20 years trying to get sober, died this, last night or this morning. Um, just so fucked up how many people are dying. I thought we were, don't you remember, guys? I was like at the end of last year, like, okay, let's wrap it up. Nobody's dying anymore. (laughs) You know what's sad is that we went from 70 to like 65,000. We were like, we're winning. (laughs) Yeah, we're winning. We're ahead. That's still, I mean, it's, it's just, it's just, it's just really sad. I don't know where. Where, where, what the next move is, I don't think you can get much more extreme. And I, I hate to say that, touch wood. Is but there, there can't be a more extreme drug than fentanyl, can there be? One, one, uh, you know, a thing that I put out the size of a, like, you know, compared to a penny, it can kill someone. I mean, it can't get any more powerful than that. It, there just so, can't be any fun in it. And death is of the moment right now. So we're cutting edge, you guys. So Ooh. let me just say this, this is a funny thing, you know, I, I have a multi-generational marriage here. So, so Chrissy's been watching this, you know, the coronavirus and the death and 10,000 people have died and she can feel her anxiety and I'm older and I have liver disease. So I'm high risk and you can just feel this sense of urgency about death around here. Right. So then I said, you know, like 3 million people die every year. You know that, don't you? And she had no idea. Then I talk to a neighbor kid who's like in his late 30s. He had no idea. Like young people have no idea that people die anymore. (laughs) Like I've always known people die. No, I'm serious. It's it's like a it's like a it's like a blind spot of millennials. They have no idea that people die. Well, they're losing friends, so I think they're catching on. Yeah, in the in the attic population, but I'm talking the regular public. I, you know, it just blew people's minds. So I've been saying to young people, hey, you know, don't get too freaked out over this coronavirus. You know, like three million people die every year in America. Every one of them I've told it to is shocked <laughs> because we well, sanitize death in this country. We don't tell children people die. I'm I was seven or eight years old, and my grandma died at our nursing home in Culver City. I was standing in the hall. My dad came walking out, and he goes. Well, she's gone, Bobby, and this is why we appreciate life, because someday it'll be over. 
That's at seven or eight years old children were told that. Now children think you live forever, nobody dies. And I, I know of friends of mine whose parents have, one parent has died, they haven't told their like 10-year-old children. What? Yeah, they don't tell them. Wait a like second. Like nobody dies. Where, does co where do coping mechanisms come from if you don't walk through that stuff? Well, I, me growing up around death at the nursing home and my parents being older and so many people dying in my family, it made me appreciate life. My dad was absolutely right. Life is precious. Yes. And if you're told you're entitled to life and life never ends and everything's just great and you always get a trophy and you always get a prize and everybody cares what you feel at every moment of every second of every day, you're going to be sorely disappointed by your experience in life over, over you know, early adulthood from 22 to 32. That's going to be a very disappointing decade. I'll tell you, uh, there's no way I could do right now being 52 and watching friends like fall off from like all sorts of things, not just drugs, but some of them are drugs still. But like the the cancers and the weird things that they were born with something. What about, what about Dennis? Died of a brain hemorrhage. At 42. Are you talking that, about Dennis that Dennell? Great. That freaked me out. I'm like, we got sober to die of a brain hemorrhage? Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. And I started, I started thinking like, Maybe being sober isn't all that great. Maybe it leads to brain hemorrhages. And my disease was working with that because I was only like, I think I was on, <laughs> when did he die? I was only like two years sober. And I was thinking like, well, you know what I mean? My mind, my addiction started saying like, well, maybe if you keep heroin and coke in your system, it keeps you from getting a brain hemorrhage. Right. Keeps well, you healthy. Yeah. <laughs> it can thin your blood. It thins yeah. your blood. Sure. You know, you, you guys, do you guys, do, do you guys know who, Dwayne Peters and Jeff Gross Grosso are? Yeah, I know Dwayne is. Well, okay, Dwayne's still alive and Grosso died a few days ago. Oh, is How that why everybody's posting? That's why you posted that thing? I didn't post the thing about him, but lots of people I are. I thought when it was Tristan's birthday, you posted a picture with him and Dwayne. Oh, no. Yeah, I did, but Dwayne's still alive. You know, Dwayne's like 10 years older than Grosso and hasn't stopped doing the drugs. It's those people that we look at that we idolize or that, you know, when we're little and we see the people like, yeah, God, Jerry Garcia lived forever for a guy that did drugs that are supposed to kill you. No, dude, Dwayne's doing way, much, way better, man, dude. Yeah, I heard he's doing good. He's doing way better. Yeah, for how long? I think he stopped. Well, he's, he's got a little shop and he's in, up, up north in Santa Cruz, I think, or somewhere Santa, maybe Santa Barbara or someplace, but yeah, he's doing better. That's excellent. Well, and he's he just alive. He's doing better than Grasso. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> let me, let me tell you this thing. So, so uh, uh, when you think about this, what this pandemic could cause, like all of our heroes now are in their mid to late seventies. Right. Bob Dylan, Neil Young, Keith Richards, Paul McCartney, they are all at the highest risk. So I happen to know that Keith Richards is buttoned down in a house and he ain't leaving until this thing is fucking over. How, how right. smart is Keith Richards, ladies and gentlemen? You yeah, don't man. get to be Keith Richards unless you're smart. That's the <laughs> truth of it. He doesn't have yeah. that cushion, man. He doesn't have that drug cushion or the cigarettes or anything anymore, man. I just wonder if Paul McCartney's out, like, hanging out and hugging people and being his regular nice self. Have you seen uh, Ronnie Wood's posts on, on yeah, Instagram? Yeah, I see him. Fucking yeah, great, somebody dude. Sends him. 
those are so great, man. He just like talks and, and it brought me to thinking about what you were talking about anonymity and stuff and how it's just kind of gone out of fashion. You know what I mean? He talks right yeah, on the he, thing about it. Know, hey, uh, hey, he's like fucking, you know, Hey, go to a Well, movie. he's not that. He's, I, I was around him when he first got sober. He didn't even have a year. So it's probably five. He's probably only got five or six or seven years. So I think all those guys that got sober later in life, Look to Eric Clapton and Elton John. And Elton John and Eric Clapton started coming out of the closet about it like, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine years ago. They're, Eric Clapton and Elton John were the ones that said, you know what? Fuck this anonymity. Yeah. Yeah. Eric Clapton, you know, there's no, every one of, every musician owes a debt to Eric Clapton. The guy who got sober 30 years ago, started a rehab, pays for it himself. His kid died, and he stayed sober. That's amazing. Then wrote one of the most beautiful songs about it. Yeah, which I don't like the song, but it is beautiful. Tears in Heaven. That's yeah, I can't. I can't listen. How could he? It's hard. I, it's so I hard can't. I just keep it. thinking about that kid. Like he's I got coping. He's got coping mechanisms. Death wasn't hidden from him. That I don't have. <laughs> if my kid. If my kid crawled out a window and fell to his death. I don't think I could stay sober. But then on the other hand, Eric Clapton did. Yeah. And we don't we don't know what we can walk through until we have to walk through it, you know? Well, I live uh, on a I, first I don't floor. I don't want to be tested, but I live on the first floor. That's a joke. Ah. <laughs> yeah, but, but they um, could be eaten by bears. Yeah, they could they could get dragged away by coyotes and at hey, this hey, point hey. with this with, hey listen with a month in the house with these two i'd go for that <laughs> oh <laughs> man no, so I'm bob kidding. i'm experiencing the opposite okay so everybody you guys are all locked down with your families my kids are with the divorce wife down in irvine because it's best for them to all stay together and be can right. you know down there so i'm like lonely dad on the outs <laughs> But it's, well, you know, I get, well, you know, I see him on the weekends like, and stuff. But I, well, I you can go outside here. That's why. Like, if you live in the city, that's that's the thing. Is like when you lived all crammed up in the city, your kids can't do anything but be in the house on their computers. Right. Got to like they close the parks. You can't go to the park. There's like a there's like a Laverne police car parked out in front of the park down the street from my house. Like what the fuck? People are going to Target. You can't go to the park, right? But there's been there's been a lot of posts about that too. Like, don't come to our stores and shop. Have a list of what you want. Get your stuff and go because you're exposing us. Oh, the people that work there. Yeah. So it's like, you know, it's like I got a I got a, a message from a guy who I've known a long time who's kind of a new dad, and he goes, "Man, what are you doing with your kid to to keep him busy?" And I said, "You know, um." imagination you got to give them the time to do some imagination uh free time he was doing a tattoo on you the other night wasn't he right but i can't entertain him 18 hours a day you know which they stay he sleeps even less now that he doesn't have school it's (laughs) it's like but you know the idea of we have to provide entertainment the whole time they're awake i think we're doing them a disservice if we think that you know, well, limit- well, it's raining the last two days here. So, but no, but they were outside for like five hours on Saturday. Fantastic. Because I would just wouldn't let them come inside. And so then Sid will stay outside the whole time. But Elvis, you know, wants to get back to his computer. 
But let me tell you, I just need to check with everybody because so there's this word essential, right? So what is essential has become an issue if you've been on lockdown. You know, I've been I've been doing it since before they made it made it necessary because Dr. Drew told me that I was high risk, and then my doctor told me I was. So so I went to Target yesterday. I always go late in the evening, like it closes at nine o'clock. I I would go at eight thirty because there's hardly anybody there because everyone thinks it closes at seven or eight. So. What is essential to me? Could I tell you what I bought last night? Okay. So bread, peanut That's butter, bread, right. peanut butter, Lego sets. <laughs> yes. Double shot Starbucks. Okay. And uh, what was the other thing? Oh, and I bought uh, I bought uh, Pokemon cards for Elvis. So so. Are those really essential items? Well, yeah, the <laughs> kids can survival. have the the kids can have the peanut butter sandwich and then drink the yeah. double shots, and you should. I, I always feel when I come to the register with the Lego sets, are like really essential things, Lego sets. And, and you said, "Who are you to judge? What am I going to step on in the middle of the night if I don't have Legos?" Yeah, you don't know. This is a matter of survival, sir. Right, with these items. I can tell you that Amazon has it all mixed up because Guitar Center's closed, so I wanted to order some guitar strings. They told me it would take until the end of April, beginning of May to get there to my house because they're not essential, but a cat bed was here overnight. <laughs> a cat bed? How is how is a cat bed more important than guitar it's strings? Not. Like and and the dry cleaner is open. What nobody's going to work or a wedding. Why is the dry cleaner open? <laughs> <laughs> because Here's they can be because i go to one shopping mall it's got bonds jamba juice dry cleaner gas station 99 cent store that's all i need that that parking lot and the jamba juice is closed but the cleaners is open shouldn't it be the other way around isn't healthy juice more essential than dry cleaning yeah but but it's the collecting of people the dry cleaner is uh, the guy taking all the risk, taking in all the all the germs, and he can protect himself. And oh, right. I never thought that. So clothes have it on it. Oh my god! Yeah. So Dopey Dave and his wife have survived it. That's what I want to get on the other side of. Everyone keeps scaring me from the medical profession about my liver, but I think I'll beat it. I think I'll fucking beat it if I get it. And th how great is it going to be to be on the other side of it and not have to worry about it? Yeah, it's almost yeah. I kind of I kind of wish that I got it light. I wish I got a light corona just so that the next time it comes around I can like yeah, go out of business. Corona I'm not sure antibodies. you can choose, Chuck. <laughs> well, I, I I'm going to choose to have have it more like Josh and less like Dave. Oh yeah, please give me the light corona verse verse light, please. <laughs> And then I was talking to Flea, and he was saying, you know, how, how, Bobby, has your life changed that much? And I was like, well, I used to work two days a week, and now I work no days a week. Not really. It hasn't changed. I mean, we had to take a 50% pay cut, but, I mean, I, I, I didn't pay my car payment. If you call your car payment or lease, they'll just let you pause it. They charge, they charge me $22 to not make my car payment this month. And then... I guess some people are not paying the rent, but I think, you know, I think you're going to owe the rent. When I told you, Mike, that they were acting like you didn't owe the rent. Now they're saying acting like you do owe the rent, but you have a year to pay it. Yeah. yeah. So, 
Well, I don't I, know. I paid my I paid my April rent, so I, I don't know. See what May brings, but I, it's my life hasn't changed that much except for the kids aren't going to school. That's a fucking bummer. Isn't there a way they can just go be in some place by themselves <laughs> for five hours? <laughs> <laughs> like those things at the airport when you have a layover, like at the fancy airport, so you can pay $20 to be in a tiny little box by yourself for a while? Can't we just get like 10 million of those? <laughs> You know, see, All right. maybe you could have somebody in a hazmat suit come out and install that in your house, one of those little isolation boxes. Yeah, isolation box. You know, but, that, um, that's it, the only real thing because you can feel them going nuts. And especially Elvis wants to see his friends, and we do that Zoom, that Zoom thing. Right. And I'm, I'm lucky because I'm living a split life because we've got all our clients in, uh, they're quarantined in their individual houses. So, uh, I go to, I go to the the center where there's no one. I'm the only one in an office that has like five separate little offices in it, and I go in there and I do the doxy me. I the doxy me is the telehealth thing, and yeah. I do I do groups like that. They put it on. Yeah, the what? Let me let me ask you about that. That's the dumbest law ever. Well, there's a lot of dumb laws in chemical dependency treatment. Yes, there but are. But the fact that you can't do it from home, that you have to go to an office, doesn't that defeat the purpose of, of quarantine? Yeah, I don't I don't know who I don't know. The rules have been changing. What what hasn't changed over the last the, rule, the law the law says, well, insurance says, so that's the law, not the law, there's many laws in chemical dependency, but you can't get paid for a telemedicine conference if unless you're, not, you're in the outpatient office. Right. You have to be on That's a, in a licensed crazy. facility. I know. But but so far, you know, like I was, Mike and I were talking before this, and it, what what's happened is my day's gone from being like 8 o'clock to like 5 o'clock or 9 to 5-ish to being from when I wake up to pretty much when I go to bed, because I don't have anybody in the same place at the same time. Right. I can't have individual conversations with 10 people because they're all at the center and I can touch base and read body language and, and, and see if there, if there's congruency to what they're saying, you know, it's this weird disconnect. And I feel like, you know, I think they're in a better place than they would be if they're on the street, of course, but, it's, it's, but I it's, get nervous. I get nervous about the sober livings because I know that the staffs are kind of worried. Everybody's kind of uptight, and I don't know. You know, it's just a crazy time right now. You got to admit it. It is. And, it and is. This thing about AA meetings, like Zoom meetings. I went on one. I was like, whatever. I'm not going to listen to these people talk about the coronavirus all the time. I could turn the fucking news on. I won't. You know. I don't know what meetings you guys, if people are talking about it in the meetings. Well, two funny things happened on the Zoom meetings. The one I went to, like four people in a row talked about how, you know, either that they're scared, usually that somebody else is scared. So that means that they're talking about being scared, but they don't want to say it's them. And I was just <laughs> like, oh, my God. You know, I'm more, I'm more. I'm more focused on day-to-day -day living than scared about the virus. I'm just doing what I can to fucking survive and mentally, you know, survive the being together with four people constantly in a house. But there was nobody talking about that. Then I kind of tuned out and then people were talking about old AA stuff. And I kind of tuned out. Then 
this guy kind of sponsored called a couple days later and said, I'm really traumatized by what happened at my meeting tonight. And I was like, what, what happened? And some guy got on there and was showing porn. I guess you can show what you want to the other <laughs> members. <laughs> and he was all, he was all high and saying, fuck God and fuck you. And I was just like, so why didn't you guys disconnect him? And he said, this is how you knew it was AA. Nobody could figure out who was hosting the meeting. <laughs> they rid of Nobody the was in charge. And half the people were arguing with the guy. And I was just like, oh, I wish I was on that. I wish I was on that meeting. Yeah. That was way better than talking about the coronavirus. <laughs> well, yeah, it might make you know, it more exciting, right? But and there's that. I guess, there's, can you broadcast to other people when you're on? Uh, it's on 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 Zoom. Uh, it's a wild uh, west, man. Yeah, and they they were kind of showing porn on the meeting. Well, I mean, instead of <laughs> instead of sitting in front of his phone, he's showing you what he's watching. He probably did some ice. Yeah, he did some ice. Winter. Right, he's an ice addict. We're supposed to have love and tolerance for that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, just mute them, I guess. Apparently, but I just know. Like, nobody knew how to just disconnect him. Oh, and he was on there for like 30 minutes ranting and raving. And people were arguing with him. I said, why oh. don't everybody just sign off? Listen to this, though. So the guy, so I say, why doesn't everybody just sign off? Why argue with like a crazy high porn guy? And he goes, well, I mean, we had said the meeting was going to be from this time to this time. What if there was a suffering addict? <laughs> oh, no, no. Oh, my God. No. If there was a suffering addict who wanted help and went on there and saw porn and people acting crazy and arguing, he would have never come back or she would have never come back. Nope. You, you say, hey, if you're new and you're on this uh, stream, you should disconnect. Right the good people are leaving. Go to Quarantined Alcoholics on Facebook and find another one. <laughs> oh, I, just, I wish, but the, the weird Zoom AA meeting experience for me was I was on one that was all boring and professional and people, you know, either whining and complaining they're scared or other people are scared or giving your typical AA answers. And I was bored shitless. And, and, um, but you have to act like you're paying attention because everyone can see you jumping around. Right. And then, so I was hating that the meeting that was normal. And then when I heard about this one that was crazy and chaotic, I wished I was in that meeting. <laughs> yeah. You know, you can with the zoom, at least you can cut the video and just have the audio. So I can like, barely walk and chew gum at the same time. Yeah, Literally it, do it's, that. It's real simple. You you touch the bottom of the screen and you, you cut the video, but you keep the audio on. And then you you I just told the people, I said, you know what? I don't look at you when I'm in a meeting anyhow. I just listen. So I'm gonna put it like this. And then I could cruise around and it didn't matter. They weren't seeing me. And then when I went to share, I put it on um the thing so they could see my beautiful face. I was on a comp, or what, like a business call, and some guy started picking his nose because after like an hour, you forget you're on the phone. <laughs> the guy was picking his nose, and the other guy yelled out, get it, get it. Oh, God. <laughs> this is fucking insane. It is. Yeah, it's, a whole new, it's a whole new thing to learn, to navigate, and I know I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not, not a big fan of it, and I'm, I don't really, my sobriety isn't hinged on meetings the way some people's is. So I, I don't feel, I feel like I talk to enough alcoholics throughout the day and I, you, you know, and that's not the whole of who I am. You know, we've discussed this a lot about how 
That's what I like about Ron Wood is that he's not Mr. Sobriety. He's a lot of things and being sober is one part of who he is. Yeah, and he's starting off his day with the 24-hour day book. I used to start off my day with the, as, I forget what it's called. It's a blue little tiny book like the 24-hour day book, but it was called the Eye Opener or something. I got it when I was like two months, three months sober. And it was, it was just quotes. It was just quotes of stories out of the big book. And I, I just like the humanness of it. I hate the preachiness of the steps and steps and people's opinions about the steps. I like people's experiences, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I understand in the meeting I was in, like, it was, this is like a few days ago. The meeting I was in, it's just like, I know people are scared, but you're also, you know, living a different life than we've ever lived in, in a post-technology uh, world. It's kind of weird. Like, I, I mean, I've been with Elvis, Sydney, and Chrissy more in the last three weeks than I have, even though we were together a lot. I mean, you're in the same room with somebody for like 10 hours. It's crazy. Yeah, you know, and, and that, that that's, I get, I get that. And that's why, like, I take Bug down to like the river trail where there's nobody or something. Get him on a bike and give Amy a break. Is she's it not like, raining down there? It's been raining here for all day and night. It's raining today, but I was at work this morning until about two. And then I came home. So it's just like, if it wasn't raining, I'd be jumping on the bike and taking bugs so she can get a little bit of human time because that's true. You know, we love our kids, but there is a point where it's just like, okay, <laughs> that, that's enough kid for right now. I love the yeah. kid, but, but it's just a little bit tight. And I think it, it, it takes a lot to say that because people will judge you for saying that, but it's just yeah, like, no, I say, I say it all the time. People judge everybody for everything. It's so stupid. Like I saw this, you know, I, I'm not going to say who it was, but there is, there's like, a couple that I really admire. They've been together for 20 years or whatever. And they had a kid a couple weeks ago. And the, the, the moment, like the baby's on the woman's stomach, like, I don't even think, know that the umbilical cord is cut. I guess it is. You could see that the woman had makeup and hair done. And I was like, how the fuck is that? Like, well, it's, uh, it's the craziest man. world. And so I didn't want to judge. I only talked to Chrissy about it. And I was just like, do women really get all made up right after they give birth so they can have a good picture with the baby on their belly? And she goes, oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, for sure. Maybe, maybe like, what kind of world do we live in? Maybe like, it's I'm a not, filter. I, I don't want to shame that person or whatever. They're obviously, they're habituated into a false belief about what beauty is and what, you know, what life is about. But... I just felt like, oh, my God, we're living in such strange times that people that I, I could just imagine like a hairstylist and makeup person come while they're giving birth. Do you know yeah, about this? Stuff? Do you know about this, Mike? Uh, I've heard of it. Yeah. Is that crazy to you? <laughs> I try not to think about it. You've been there many times, right? Mike's been there as many. How many kids? All, all three of us have three kids. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was there for two. Two was enough to watch. <laughs> like, it's like, it's, it's a serious, serious thing. And hair and makeup is one of the last things you're thinking yeah, you about. You watch for two? I only watch for one. Oh, really? That was all I needed, man. I was like, oh, I'm not going at it down there. <laughs> I, I, I got kicked. I, got I know people who film like Ricky, Like Ricky Ricardo? No, I just didn't. I didn't look. I was there for all three. Chuck, were you there for all three? 
No, I got. I wasn't allowed. I wasn't allowed at the middle one. I was drunk. Awesome. Well, just have a cup of coffee and get in there, boy. Oh, no, it, take it, twenty it, hours. You'll be sober by the time it's over. Stick a bottle in your shoe. <laughs> no, I think they. I think they. They asked me to leave the hospital and come back, and I don't think I made it back. Because yeah, I've been, that was my my thing with Elijah, and I always feel so awful about it. But you know. But just being there watching it, I just can't imagine like your priority being like, I got to get a good photo for Instagram. Like, it's just crazy. You got to look at the world. You know, even on that Zoom thing, it has a button on it where you look at it. Because after I did my first Zoom meeting, I wanted to see what it was about. And it has a thing that says like, it's a button that says, make me look better or fix my <laughs> no. face or something what? like that. <laughs> yes. So. So when you go live, you don't even look like you. Get the fuck and, out. And, and like I was watching, they, they did a weird. So, where is it, Chuck? I want to do it right now. <laughs> it's, it's not on this. We're on Team Link. Let's give them a little boost, man. Team Link's a little better. You have to have a code to get in. Oh, really? Yeah. So you just, you know, nobody could just like look us up on the Zoom site and then just jump in. Of course, it's a private. Uh -huh. you know. Yeah. But no, that's um it, it it's an it's a strange thing we were watching. I, I'm bummed because not even live PD is doing their thing, but they did an interview with one of the one of the cops on it must have been a zoom link or something, because he must have pushed the makeup button because they had this cop that looked like he had long ass like lashes and lipstick and stuff on. Uh, and I don't cool. think he knew. I want that. <laughs> so do I. So so get this strange phone call I had. So Looks like Dr. Drew and I are going to have a new TV show after all this is said and done. I mean, I, it looks like it. So we're talking about how to do uh, an intervention not being physically with the person. And Drew's like, it's impossible. You have, to, you have to be there. And I was like, well, let's think about it. Like, you know, and then I started thinking about how can you digitize what we do? Obviously, out of necessity, that's what's happening. Rehab has become digital in the last three weeks. No clients are being seen physically by therapists at, at Aloe. Right. So, so does this work is the question, Chuck. I mean, only you would know. I'm not really doing it, but I think it does, right? If you feel, because people are so connected to their phones, when you're talking to them through your phone on FaceTime, it's the same as seeing you, I think, to, to the brain of the millennial. I think for them, it's not as odd as it is for me. But for, for me, I think it's a, there's a huge difference between having a presence in the room and not having, you know, I, I don't know. I know like my older clients, my ones that are 40 and above, it's nowhere near as effective. They, they, right. need, the, they, need, the human, they need the human side of it. And I, and, I, and I tell them that all the time. I said, I feel like I'm not giving you everything you deserve because I'm not there. There's something about what we do. There's something about actually being there. Is it, I don't think that this is the wave of the future. I don't think there'll be, there'll be virtual rehabs, but I think we're fortunate that with a lot of the clients, well, most of our clients, we've had them for some time. So we got to know them a little bit and we got to establish, you know, like even up until like two weeks ago, I was going in to see him wearing a mask, but right. 
but they said this is you know you're putting them at risk because you move around and then you're coming into a quarantine house so you can't do that and i said i get it i'm i'm going in and i'm doing all the we've got sanitizer everywhere and i'm wearing the mask and i'm maintaining six feet and i'm doing everything we're supposed to do but once once we cut that out it's weird you, you know bob it's weird to not well, yeah, no, somebody what I'm thinking is I like hugging people and patting them on the back and, exactly. and joking around. And the fact is, even after the removal of this, whether it's in May or whatever, I'm still going to have to keep a distance. I mean, like I say, it's so hard for people that are high risk, that are told they're high risk. My father-in-law is having a hard time with it where you just go back and forth. Like, I got to stay away from everybody until they have a vaccine. And another party is like, fuck it, bring it on. Let's see. You know what I mean? It's like this back and forth. And and so even if, when they remove social distancing as a as like the standard, I'm going to not be able to hug people and pat them on the back and whatever. That That's going to be weird. Am, am I going to completely change how I support people and encourage people? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I've thought about it. Well, it, you know, people always say like this is the new normal and it's not the new normal. It's the current normal. And whether it's a month or two or six, I don't think you're going to change who you are, Bob. I think I think you might want to hug people and you might want to pat people on the back because I do. And it, I want to and I can't. I don't think it's going to change who we are. But for right now, it's the current normal. So it's I don't like the elbow thing. You like the elbow thing? No, I don't like that. No, it's an just like wave or give thumbs up or something. Well, yeah. there's a it's still contact. And we used to do that with tattooers all the time. Cause they'd be gloved up. You go in and you give them an elbow. So it's, it, that's, that always felt weird. Why would you, but my brother, it was my brother-in-law's birthday on Saturday or Sunday. And we all went over to the house and we all stayed six feet apart and, and, and had a cake six feet apart. And me and Chrissy's dad were in one part of the, of the yard and, the kids were playing baseball, and then everybody else was in another part. It was the weirdest thing ever. It felt like a twilight zone. Like it and, is weird, but the, but they were doing the elbow thing. I was like, "Fuck the elbow thing! It's just too weird." Yeah, I'll no, just wave. I'll just wave to you. Hey, hey, yeah. how you doing? It, because it's it's not about me. It's not like I'm afraid of getting something from somebody. I don't. It's the same reason. It was like, okay, let's do this instead of going to Bob's house. What if I saw somebody yesterday, or I touched a, I touched something I shouldn't have touched, and I'm I'm an uh, asymptomatic carrier. I don't want to be the reason you get sick and die. Well, that's why we have to have testing. I mean, that's I have more, I have more hope that they'll have testing in the next month or two that you can just buy or just get a hold of, and then. And then you can screen people that you come in contact with. You can just do a wipe and, and in 15 minutes know if they're, if they're positive or asymptomatic or not. And then you can, you can widen your exposure. Right, like right now, I've literally come in contact with no one but the kids. And, and I had um, alcohol swabs when I went to Target and Bonds. And I stayed... You know, like I said, I go at 8.30, so nobody's there. Like, there was nobody there. That's a trick for anybody that wants to go, has to go grocery shopping. Everybody thinks the markets close at, like, 6 or 7 or something. They close at 9 at regular times out here where I live. Well, you know what uh -huh. I do, Bob, is um, there's this Food for Less by me, 
and the workers like to get a jump on restocking, which they do after they close down, they restock everything, right? Well, they get a jump right. on it about a half an hour before they close or an hour before they close. They start and stocking. And there. And did then you get every, nobody's paper? there. You, you pull all the paper, Mike? I did. The guy was stocking it, and I was like, hey, uh, you know, and I, uh, can I get some of that? And he's like, sure. And the guy was stocking chicken. I was in the back of Target last night. Oh, I had to get a frame. That's another thing. Was that a necessary item? So I didn't tell you guys. Absolutely. You you need to know. I bought some land in Scotland because I, you know, part of my heritage. I always thought I was French. I'm not. I'm Scottish and Irish or whatever. And 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 so because I did the DNA thing. So there was this thing that I, I found out about where you can buy land in Scotland and then they give you a lordship. <laughs> so I signed up for it. I bought the land. <laughs> I signed up for it. And it came this official thing from the Great Britain, the British government or whatever, that I am Lord Bob of the Forest. <laughs> <laughs> so that happened. I always be knew you were. <laughs> and Lord Bob of the Forest. You know, you could say Lord Bob Forest. It doesn't sound good. So I put in the of the. Oh. Lord. I am Lord Bob of the Forest, the <laughs> Scottish Lordship of the Township. It has everything. The township where I own the land. And, uh, and I'm a lord. I'm a lord. What's now. on the land? What is it? Like a lot? You no, know, it's a farm that they're just selling three, three, you know, little three foot spaces of so you can become <laughs> a lord. <laughs> So you're like, what are you going to go stand on a three foot fucking square of land in Scotland? Well, Elvis had a great idea. We could build, we could plant a tree there, wait for it to grow, and then build a tree house. And then we have a place like one of those fancy tree houses, like on A and E. And then he's we a would thinker. have a house in Scotland. He's a thinker. I like that kid. Right. God, when you said you bought land in Scotland, I was thinking bigger than three feet. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wanted to get the lordship. It's all a lordship hustle. Uh, so anyways, that had to be grandly displayed in the Forest Manor here in Claremont, don't you think? Yes. So I had to get a frame. So when I'm in the back That's of the essential. store, I'm in the back of Target last night, and it just goes dark. It was it was like five minutes to nine, and they turned the lights off to make everybody come in the front. I was the only person in there, in a whole Target store. Nice. And I got the lordship framed. It's up on the wall here. When you guys come back after this social distancing is lifted, you'll see that I am Lord Bob of the forest. You got to send me a picture of that, Bob, and I'll put it up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> you fucking send me a picture of that. Dude, That's amazing. Dude, you know that uh, they, because I buy so much stupid shit on eBay and Etsy and all that. Yeah, and you Amazon. Do. They must have just gone. <laughs> who is yeah, the dumbest do. person in America who would pay $89.99 for this. That's what I paid. $89.99. $89.99? And I'm an official lord of Scotland. Fuck, I'm going to do I, that. Me oh too. I'm in. Can, I get, <laughs> can I get the square next to you? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I wonder if they have it. Well, what a great idea. Somebody's got like 40,000 acres of useless land and they just sell three feet three feet of it for 100 bucks or whatever, 80 bucks. That's that's brilliant. No, but think about it. Like an acre of land out, Mike. You know, your mom had that place. An acre of land out in Landers or 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 
Johnson Valley costs like forty dollars. Yeah, it's not that much. There's usually... for an acre. So well, this guy's making nothing but dough. This is a smart Scottish motherfucker. Yeah, well, those are probably total fake documents. No, well, it's he... signed by the British government. Oh yeah, I, sure it is. Well, I mean, maybe it's oh. fake. It's you got the her. emblem. It's got a signature. It's got a date and stamp on it. How hard could it be to print that up? I don't care. That go prove that I'm not a lord. <laughs> I would choose to believe that Bob is a lord. That's awesome. I, I like it better than when people were buying stars. Oh, that, I remember that still exists probably too. I'm going to look into that. <laughs> Listen, I got nothing but time on my hands and I got a PayPal account, bitches. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't no, buy stars. I sold some. I, 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 I get, I, it's just a side project I have. And I, sometimes I just look at my PayPal account and it's got $700 in it. I'm like, oh, I need to spend this. Like Why it's not money what? that I earn or whatever. It's just like comes in there sometimes. Is are people paying you through PayPal for stuff? Yeah, yeah. It's just this one thing. Oh, nice. Yeah. So all of a sudden I'll go and I'm like, oh my god, I need to be buy a lordship right now. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and maybe a star. And maybe a star. Thank you, Chuck, for helping me. <laughs> god. Yeah. So Elvis is probably pretty excited about that, though, right? The dad's Lord. Yeah, he loves the Lord. They call me Lord Bob around here now. Oh, that's not. No, they don't. Yes, Elvis does. <laughs> perfect, when I came man. back from from when I came back from Target last night, he because he feels like we're going out into like war or something. Elvis hasn't left anywhere, so he thinks like, "Oh, Dad went and he's gone for an hour, and he's come back." And so you open the front door, and he goes, "Lord Bob of the Forest." <laughs> I was like, yes, uh -huh. my surf. Yeah. <laughs> How fucking great is that, man? You got to make it funny. You got to make it fun. Yes, Smiley. What's your favorite part of the big book? Because I, I, got, I got favorites, and they aren't the ones that are popular. This right. is a design for living a bridge back to the real world. We are not a glum lot. We wear our, our sobriety like a loose, comfortable garment. This is, everybody has to choose what they believe out of this stupid fucking 164 pages. And I've chosen ones that make sense to me. And I believe anybody listening or anybody that's sober, you don't have to adopt what somebody else told you. Read the fucking book. Read it three or four times till you understand it. And then decide what are the gems that mean something to you. Because I've never been at a meeting where somebody has quoted the things that I love out of the big book. How about that? <laughs> yep. You know, there's always a service the manual, shit. too. They always quote the acceptance thing. It's always out of context. That's not what Dr. Bob meant or Dr. Paul meant. It was strictly about his wife. It wasn't about racism, accepting racism or accepting assholes or, or accepting people bullying drunk people at meetings. I've heard the, the acceptance thing uh you know garnered over things that you should not accept no you should i not accept racism i i think it was about adolf hitler and he was a racist dr paul no <laughs> it was about his wife <laughs> Wait, because he's from orange county he's got to be oh my oh God. if he's from i thought he was from long beach all the aa people that quote acceptance don't understand and they do it and so that's why it's so doubly fun to me that they're they are what he's talking about, quoting him in the opposite of what he meant. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? So this is what he meant. He said, and he's talking about his wife, how how he's mean to her and he's not very loving or kind. And what a, he, he's seeing the hypocrisy in himself that he can be so benevolent and so kind to strangers, to drunkards, mm -hmm. to criminals. But yet he comes home and he criticizes the one person who stood by him and loved him and cares for him and gave him children and a family. And he's critical of her. And what I love about it, he says she's too skinny. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, to me, there's nothing that's impossible. But apparently in the 50s, that was possible. So she's too skinny. She didn't do the dishes. And he then starts to realize this, it's really this layer of onion of sobriety that he's talking about there where, hey, it's kind of it's kind of out of whack that I'm so kind and thoughtful towards strangers and I'm so critical and mean to my wife. That's what he's talking about. And that he has to learn how to accept her the way he accepts these people and these these newcomers in AA. He's not talking about everything. He's not talking about, you know, 9/11 and all right. the things I've heard acceptance quoted over. <laughs> you mean he's not talking about Trump? <laughs> no. oh. Oh. <laughs> I, I thought he was one of those people that could see the future and he knew what was coming and that we just have to accept shit no but you're right in that they were in the in the times of aa nazi germany was going full bore they're not i guarantee you bill wilson and dr bob were not accepting hitler <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean it's just asinine the way people quote it and then they don't quote the more mature things that I like. I, and I was eight years sober when it really dawned on me that that it says this is a design for living, a bridge back to the real world. And I was like, I've been living in the AA world, being a big shot and like, you know, going to eight, eight meetings a week and sponsoring a bunch of guys and thinking I'm the cat's meow when I'm working at Millie's. Like, really? <laughs> you're fucking 40 years old. You're working washing dishes. You're somebody. You're somebody that somebody should listen to about life. I still feel like that about me, but you know, at least we haven't gotten drunk in a long time. We haven't done any dope in a long oh, time. Come on, Chuck, you're trying to universalize yourself. You raised, you raised great kids. You're the most loving dad. You're a doting and and dutiful husband. You're, that's not you, you are what the what it's talking about. A bridge back to the real world. You live oh. in the real world. I'm talking about people that go to the, the, the Costa Mesa and NA clubhouse and sit there for three meetings a day and tell everybody how it's supposed to be. <laughs> you know what I mean? The Alano Club heroes, yeah. I like some of them. There's a guy that in the Alano Club in Glendale, and he always says, like, if it's a meeting that, I don't know, in most meetings he obviously doesn't like because at the Burning Desires thing, he always says the same thing, and I'll leave you guys with this. Yeah, I'm so-and-so, and I'm an alcoholic. I'm a real alcoholic, and I didn't hear what I needed to hear tonight in the meeting because I'm a real alcoholic. And then he lays down his opinion of real AA, real AA for real alcoholics, and everybody goes, okay, great, okay, let's pray and go home. <laughs> oh, <laughs> He's been sitting there doing that since the 80s. Oh, good God. How fucking, uh, you know. How lost can a person be and not be drinking? <laughs> Some of them are worse off. I don't know. I know. I know. We've talked about that. A lot of them, their families don't know who they are. 
Well, I'm going to read you guys something that I sent to a person who had eight years who's in rehab right now, and they're feeling bad and feeling ashamed and blah, 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 right? I'm going to read you what I wrote right before we came on the air. Okay. This is what I truly believe. Um, you're, you're right where you need to be. Perfect. I've never had, I have, I never have held much pride on time. It doesn't exist. Who are you? Your character. How do you treat people, including yourself? That's what matters. Not how long you haven't taken drugs for. Some of the most giving people in my life are not sober. I was thinking of flea in that respect. And some of the biggest assholes I've ever known are many decades sober. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true like i have friends that are still smoke weed and are the greatest guys in the world and i'm gonna yes. like say oh they're bad and anybody who hasn't taken drugs for 10 years is like a genius mother Teresa. it's such a childlike way of seeing the world that's true right don't, don't, die. Die. don't use fentanyl don't, don't use that fentanyl be safe don't don't use, that use, that fentanyl. Fentanyl. use it from six feet away yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense, Chuck. Six feet away with three Narcan shots ready to go. Right. Stock up on the Narcan and uh, you should be fine. Oh, All right, God. you guys. Love you. Love See you, you later, Bobby. Don't die. Bye. Don't Bye. die. All right. Don't die, everybody.